The reading for this evening is from Matthew chapter 26, beginning at verse 57. Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered. And Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus, that they might put him to death. But they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last two came forward and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. And the high priest stood up and he said, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said so. But I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your judgment? And they answered, He deserves death. Then they spit in his face and struck him. And some slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Christ. Who is it that struck you? This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you invite all who are weary and heavy laden to come to you, and you will give them rest. Lord, we come here this night to sit at your feet, to hear you speak to us through your word, through song, through this message. We ask, O Lord, that you would uplift us and uphold us by your word as we focus on your love for us, a love so great that you willingly shed your blood for us so that we might be cleansed, purified of all of our sin. It's in your name, O Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Well, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this evening's message, as we do continue the theme, Don't Be Afraid, is from 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. If we claim to be without sin, St. John writes, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. This is our text. In the name of Jesus Christ, dear fellow worshipers of our Savior. The assigned title for this message was, Don't Be Afraid to Say You're Wrong. But as I studied the text, the words I just read to you, I changed the title to this. Don't be afraid to admit, I'm a sinner and I sin. To admit that you have been wrong is really not the same as admitting to your sin. I mean, there are many things that we do wrong that are, quite frankly, not sinful. I mean, we may make the wrong choice and invest in a mutual fund that tanks, but that's not a sin. 
we may miscalculate a math problem and get the wrong answer. But that's not a sin. We may misunderstand a person because we're hard of hearing and we come to the wrong conclusion about what they said. And that's not a sin. We may sing off-key, but that's not a sin. I'm sure you can think of many other things that you do wrong, but they're not sins. You see, St. John is really addressing a much bigger issue than simply admitting to being wrong. There were people in the Christian church, even in his days, who were asserting that they were sin-free. That, there was, that sin no longer had any mastery or power or influence over them or their lives. But John writes, if we refuse to admit that we are sinners, then we live in a world of illusion and truth becomes a stranger to us. It amazes me sometimes that still so many people continue to choose to live in a world of illusion as they believe and promote the lie that people are inherently good. I came upon a website recently, a self-help website, designed to assist people who are struggling to to love themselves and to accept themselves. And while well-intentioned, the information shared was not all that helpful and, and quite frankly destructive to the person who might implement their ideas. For it was infused with Buddhist psychology and humanistic thinking, fostering this illusion. It said, and I quote word for word, a baby is born and you see the incarnation of goodness in that baby, the flesh definition of purity and light. You see love. Can you imagine seeing a newborn baby and not seeing goodness? It's impossible. And that baby is you. You were born with goodness and love emanating from your body. This baby is still you, your original goodness that can never be altered. And the writer on this website continues, as Jack Cornfield writes in The Wise Heart, each of us has encountered threatening situations which lead us to cover our innate nobility. We have forgotten our essential nature. Much of the time we operate from the protective layer. The primary aim of Buddhist psychology is to help us see beneath this armoring and bring out our original goodness called our Buddha nature. This is the first principle of Buddhist psychology, to see the inner nobility and beauty of all human beings. And then the writer on this website concludes, or continues, you are still good. You're good to the bone. Your essence, the you that was you when you were born, lives inside of you. You are good and pure and light. Now compare the sentiments of this website to the words of the rite of holy baptism found in our Lutheran service book where it says the word of God also teaches that we're all conceived and born sinful and are under the power of the devil until Christ claims us as his own. Sure, there is a certain kernel of truth when we speak of the nobility and beauty of all human beings. I mean, God is a marvelous creator. He forms and he shapes us to be unique masterpieces as we develop and grow inside our mother's womb and then when we're outside of that womb, he continues to grow and shape us into the beautiful people that we are. But to claim and believe that newborns are the incarnation of goodness, the definition of purity and light, and that people are good to the bone, that this is the essence that you're born with, that we are good, pure, and light, is to be duped by an illusion. 
It's denying the fundamental truth of the Bible, that we inherit the disease of sin right from the moment of conception. God says, from dust you came, and to dust you shall return. King David confessed, in sin did my mother conceive me. Paul concluded, the wages of sin is death. You see, all of God's dealing with humankind since the fall is based on the fact of man's in inborn sinfulness. To suggest that newborns are the incarnate form of goodness and to deny the ongoing influence of sin in our lives and our need for a Savior is to make God out to be a liar. Now there's a cartoon in which a young pastor is holding a baby in his arms while his wife is reading a definition from the dictionary. And the wife exclaims to the husband, Well, I'll be. They're right. Here it is. Perfect. P-E-R-F-E-C-T. Adjective. Complete in all respects, without defect or omission. Flawless. Like a pastor, his wife and children. We all know that pastors, wives, and their children are anything but perfect, right? You see, not even pastors and their children and their wives are immune to the curse of sin. The curse of sin affects all of us. And if we reject the biblical teaching that we are personally sinful and deny that we sin, there are several repercussions. One is that we're less inclined to take personal responsibility for our actions or the lack of action in our life. We may find that we explain away our deviant behavior by blaming someone or something else. I'm the way I am. I am the way I am because that's how I was raised. I am the way I am because that's what society taught me. And we're always shifting the blame from ourselves to someone else or something else. We also then live in denial. We live in denial of possessing a terminal disease that not only will result in our physical death, for the wages of sin is death, but this terminal disease that we inherited from our parents called sin also means that we are born spiritually dead. And if we remain spiritually dead throughout our life, we will experience eternal death as well. And when we see no need for a Savior, when we don't understand our own sinfulness and our need for a Savior, we, we won't see need for Jesus Christ. God's promise of forgiveness is simply idle talk. God's forgiveness has no such place in such a heart. And so my encouragement to you tonight is, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to admit, I'm sinful. And I sin. Isn't that what we pray when we pray the Lord's Prayer? Forgive us our trespasses. Is that not what we pray when we speak the sentiment of Psalm 143 where we say, O Lord, hear my prayer, listen to my cry for mercy? Is this not what we do when we begin our worship services so often with a confession of sin? I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess to you all my sins and iniquities with which I've ever offended you? You see, we are being honest, aren't we? We're being honest with ourselves. We're being honest with God. We're confessing our sin. We're taking personal responsibility for it. We're saying, I'm a sinner. I admit it. Corey Ten Boone said, the blood of Jesus never cleanses an excuse. 
And so when we confess, we're not trying to excuse anything. We're admitting who we are and what we are. So by confessing our sin, we will, sh we will shatter the illusion that holds so many people spellbound and captive and keeps them from ever receiving God's forgiveness and finding their value as a person in relationship with Christ and understanding the purposes and goals of their life as a loved and forgiven child of God. John says, if we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, we're actually agreeing with God Himself and His assessment of who we are. We're saying, God, you're right. I am conceived in sin. I am a sinner. And even though I'm baptized and living daily as your forgiven child and being renewed by your spirit, the truth is I still disobey you in my thoughts and my words and our de my deeds. I'm still tainted by sin. And so we agree with God's assessment of us. We confess our sin. We admit it. And as we admit our sinfulness, it makes us more receptive and open to receiving God's forgiveness. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us, purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, God doesn't gloss over our disobedience or look the other way. He doesn't excuse it. God's justice and righteousness must be satisfied. And His justice and righteousness are satisfied through His Son. Jesus Christ is the one who went the way of the cross. Jesus Christ is the one who shed His blood as the Lamb slain for the sins of the world, for your sins and mine. It cost God dearly to forgive you and me and the world of our sin. It cost Jesus dearly. That's why the Bible says Christ redeemed us. He redeemed us. How? By becoming a cur by, from the curse of the law, by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. The Bible says, How much more then will the blood of Christ cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? One verse before the text for tonight, verse 8 says, The blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all of our sins. When I read these words earlier th this week, I wrote down in my chicken scratch, when we confess our sin, Mr. Clean, capital C, Jesus Christ, cleanses us from our sin. When we confess our sin, Mr. Clean, Jesus Christ, cleanses us from our sin. And he cleanses us and purifies us of our sin with his own shed blood on the cross. There is no stain so deep that the blood of Jesus cannot entirely remove. You may feel that you have done something for which God can never forgive you. Don't believe that lie. Jesus can forgive you for all your sin. And he has and he does. He erases the stain of your sin every single day. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to admit, I'm sinful. 
I'm, I sin. And don't be afraid to say, I admit it. I need the Savior. I need Jesus Christ. You see, it's in this relationship. It's in this relationship with God through Jesus Christ that we receive our identity and we receive our worth. It's as we live in God's love through Jesus Christ and understand his love for us that we can truly love him back and that we can truly love and accept ourselves for who we are in Christ. And it's through him that then we can find it within ourselves to love one another, even as he has loved us. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.